Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon, presented by Tioff.com by the PGA Tour. I am your host, Shane Bacon. A fun one today. John Smoltz jumped on the line with me and talked about uh, a week that was at the U.S. Senior Open. He qualified to get in. He shot a, a spiffy little 69 to qualify in, got into a playoff three for one. He survived. He made it into the field. And, uh, you know, he was it was a tough week uh, for a guy that isn't a professional golfer. And it was uh, it was actually a great listen to hear him kind of talk about, you know, the reasonings for doing this and how impactful he feels like it could be for other people to see that, you know, how that just to basically see how tough golf is as a professional and how, you know, a guy that's a scratch player can get into those situations and, uh, and be uncomfortable and be put in places that maybe they don't feel like they normally are on the golf course. So it was a fun chat. Hope you guys enjoy it. And just a reminder that if you're looking to play where the pros play, I've got you covered after the tour finishes at the Greenbrier Classic. You can book a tee time at the Old White TPC and thousands of other great golf courses across the country on teeoff.com by the PGA Tour, the official tee time reservation site of the PGA Tour. And you can do so without booking fees. That's right, no booking fees. Every course, every tee time, plus as a valued listener to the clubhouse, you'll get to save an additional 25% on deal times with the single-use promo code TEEOFFBACON. That's TEEOFFBACON. You'll save 25% at TEEOFF.com. And before we get to the chat with John Smoltz, just a reminder that summer is here. Trust me, if you live in Arizona, you know that. I think it's going to be 112 today. And with July 4th here and summer and the beach and camps and everything that comes with that, uh, nothing's worse than heading on a trip and realizing you forgot something special. So what do you do? You switch to an OGO bag. All OGO travel bags come with their signature thoughtful organization. So you'll have a place to put all the most important things, add in smart features like separated pockets for dirty clothes, a dedicated place for your shoes. And now life is easier when you get home. So be sure to check out everything at OGO.com and upgrade your summer travel and special for listeners of this clubhouse this podcast right here you can celebrate summer with ogio by saving 25 percent on all travel bags at ogio.com with the promo code clubhouse ogio the world's best bags well i get a week of uh, of home which is nice i uh, was on the road for quite a bit over the last few weeks with the usga championships and then um, next week we will be at chicago golf club we're going to present chicago golf club to the masses on FS1 with the uh, first ever U.S. Senior Women's Open. It's going to be a lot of fun to do that. We're going to do the last two rounds. It'll be Brad Faxton and myself up in the booth. And um, if you're a golf fan, a golf course fan, you've got to be fired up for this because, you know, there's not many chances to see these places on TV. You know, the Pine Valleys and the Myopias and the, you know, I mean, and the Cypress Points and the Chicago Golf Clubs. It's one of the best on the planet. So I'm excited about it. I know the Fried Egg posted a couple of videos on their Instagram of some flyovers, flyovers of the course if you haven't seen those yet. So definitely give that a look and get excited. That'll be next weekend. So this weekend you won't have to listen to me on TV. I'll get a little time off, and then uh, we'll be out in Chicago, and then we roll through the uh, basically the amateur summer. Uh, we'll have the boys' junior. We're going to be at Baltusrol. We'll be in Nashville. And then, of course, we get to go to uh, Pebble Beach at the end of the summer for the U.S. Amateur, which I know is going to be an exciting week. But that is well in the future. Right now, it's about what just happened. So let's get to our guest. And we welcome into the clubhouse a man that has done so much in baseball. Uh, but you, I would say you faced off um, on one of the toughest challenges out there uh, after completing, you know, a, a couple of days at the U.S. Senior Open last week. This is John Smoltz. And, John, I know you've done plenty of things in your career. Where does this rank, uh, stand on that first tee on Thursday, where does this rank in terms of, uh, of nerves and, and how you were feeling and, and, uh, and, and if you thought you would even make contact with a golf ball considering uh, everything that was around you? Yeah, this was uh, 
this is about as big of an out-of-body experience as you can have. Uh, I've been part of a lot of team sports and a lot of individual big moments, but nothing prepares you for something like this, your heartbeat, uh, thinking about a golf shot at the highest level and the toughest conditions. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I usually do when I go through things like this. Uh, the only other thing that I could even come close to even thinking that it was similar is when I was trying to come back from shoulder surgery and pitching for the Boston Red Sox after 20 years with the Braves and wanting to do well for the Red Sox. I remember being on the mound in Washington and could not remember or could not feel my legs, didn't know where to put my legs on the mound out of the windup. And you go through certain situations and until you've actually experienced it, I don't think Anybody could prepare for something like this, and now I'm better for it. I'll be a better golfer, and, um, you know, if I get a chance to do something similar like this again and qualify, I'll know, I'll know the difference. What, what is your experiences in competitive golf like over the last few years? I mean, I know you do qualifiers. Do you play in section events? I mean, what was the closest you've been to something like this in your golfing career? Uh, the only thing is, uh, you know, with my schedule, I don't get a chance to play a lot of competitive golf. I've been in the Georgia Open. I've had a sponsor exemption to the nationwide tournament in Valdosta. That was truly humbling. Uh, that was eight, nine years ago. Uh, I knew I wasn't ready then, but I wanted to see what that was like. Uh, I've had, you know, many delays, seven-hour waits to see if I've made a sectional or not. But really, American Century Championship are version of the elite celebrity tournaments that are out there and you know finishing in the top five and top six pretty much every year and finishing second once but never really tasting or being in that final group to see what you know the, the score you can get so this was the pinnacle of what I've always wanted to try to accomplish and see what it's like and and I knew going in my schedule was absolutely brutal. This is not how you prepare for a major, yet alone a golf tournament. And uh, I wanted to experience everything. That's why I was willing to wear the mic. That's why I was willing to entertain uh, a humbling score and, and just facing whatever uh, that tournament was going to provide. And I've taken notes, already uh, set my stand, sights on uh, improving my golf game with what little time I have to work on it. Yeah, I mean, you you improved every nine holes. I mean, you you started out at the, the opening nine. I think you started on the back nine on Thursday, and, and it, it was a struggle. And you improved throughout the week over nine holes. Was it was it more comfortable, more relaxed? Was it more understanding how to play this type of golf course? I mean, what what happened as you progressed through the week in that regard? Yeah, I didn't feel comfortable at any point during the first round, and I understood that was going to happen. I didn't play that bad in the first round, which is crazy when you shoot an 85. How can you explain how you didn't play bad? I didn't hit a lot of bad shots. I just ended up in a lot of bad places. You know, I think the, the rough speaks for itself. I only hit two or three fairways the entire first round. I had 16 putts inside of 10 feet. It seemed like it didn't make any of them, so I had a lot of tap-in bogey. And I remember just feeling like, why am I not hitting my irons the way I was accustomed to? Right. And that's tension and nerves. And, you know, that's part of, of, of golf at that level. When you play casual golf, I can shoot with anybody. But 
you don't think about your shot as long and you don't think about what the results could be. You just execute your shot. And I found myself thinking too much about don't hit it in the rough or don't chunk this chip or, you know, all the things that I knew a camera was going to follow me every single shot. And, uh, I, I, I think what I learned is each nine, what happened, I would try to relax a little bit more and, and be a little bit more of myself. My strength coming in was my driver. And I only hit five or six fairways in two rounds. And I didn't miss the fairways by much. That's the, the craziness. But it doesn't need to happen. You don't need to miss it by much. And your ball goes right to the bottom of the rough. Yeah, it's interesting the way you talk about uh, golf. I've always said this to people that don't play tournament golf. I mean, I think there's an old quote that said, uh, tournament golf and, and recreational golf are the same as roller skating and tennis. I mean, it's it's a completely different mental challenge when you're out in between ropes playing in those, in those situations. And it's so funny when your golf game abandons you because you're like, I've been playing well. Like, I know what I'm doing. And then you miss a green with a wedge, and you think about that for two or three more holes. And it, it gives you a better appreciation, really, of the guys that can go out there and forget, you know, the players that are able to to let shots go. And, I mean, we saw it down the stretch on, on Sunday with some of the guys that were competing, you know, make a double bogey, miss a short putt, and the next hole they bury the similar length putt. And, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, throughout the week and after the week, you probably have a better appreciation of these players and how damn good they are yeah i always did and and it reinforced it i think people that sit at home and do one of two things they watch a game show and they have all the answers but they don't realize (laughs) they've got five seconds if they're there to create the answer and it's different when you're under the gun same thing with people watching golf thinking i can hit that shot or that shot's easier than what it looked like on tv when you're actually there and you see what these guys have prepared for their whole lives to do and how they handle it, it's what I felt like on the mound. You know, uh, most people would say if they put themselves on the mound with bases loaded, they might not feel comfortable. I felt comfortable because I knew what I could do. I'd been through the moment so many times in golf. This is new to me. So I learn a lot. Each time I step out there, I get frustrated the last three holes, I felt like, and I made the comment that, you know, Mike Tyson had punched me long enough to where I, my will was gone. Uh, and you make really, really dumb bogeys when that happens. So uh, I learned from that. I've got the American Century Championship coming up in less than 10 days. It'll seem like a pitch and putt course compared to what I just played. And, uh, again, when I went through what I went through at the Nationwide, you, you feel like you'd ever want to play golf again. And then I rallied and make sure to feel like I needed, you know, I needed a surgery. I needed clubs uh, to fit right and, and shafts that were going to work. I learned a lot about that humiliating 86, 87. And the same goes for this. I learned a lot and I have a great appreciation and I know I cannot hide my game. You just cannot hide your game when you get to this point. And um, that was evident. My game was not in the shape that it needed to be. I knew that coming in, but I wanted to experience the height of what this qualifier allowed me to uh, be part of. Yeah, I mean, were you surprised? I don't know if you'd had a chance to play the Broadmoor before, but were you surprised at how difficult it played? Because I think we were surprised on the broadcast side at how tough it played. I'm not kidding you. This is one of the hardest golf courses I've played (laughs) under the conditions that I played them in. And I would have been better served to not seen it and play it and have the lack of fear be my advocate instead of what 
what at each practice round that I played, I realized how increasingly more difficult the course was playing. <laughs> the first practice round, I played great. I probably shot 72, 73. The second practice round, I started realizing how hard it was. I started realizing if you miss greens, you're in trouble. And it really came down to a, a, a lack of total confidence in 14 clubs. And um, the only way I can relate it to people that would understand, you know, as a pitcher, I had four pitches. If I didn't have one, big deal. If I didn't have two, big deal. I had two others that I trusted. If you don't have your swing or confidence in 14 clubs, you cannot run from that. And um, I got I got some work to do. There's no doubt about that. Is it, it, did it, is it make you more excited to do this again? I mean, I know that either I, – I always felt when I played in golf tournaments that – one of two things happened. One, I wanted to put my clubs in a closet, close it, and not look at them for a month. Or I wanted to get back out there the next day and work on the things that didn't work. Where, where do you sit with that? Are you excited to get back out there, or you kind of want a little bit of a break? No, I'm excited to, to work on those things. Uh, look, I left there beat up, uh, beat up physically. I, I travel a lot. I fly a lot. I sit a lot. And I'm not close to the shape I want to be in, so that's the first thing I'm doing. I already went in the gym yesterday and started my program working out because when I travel as much as I do, you just don't have that luxury. And then two, I'm, I'm going to work on the things that, that I learned from the tournament immediately with my shot making and trust things. I was more disappointed with not having the faith of commitment to a shot. I felt like I just, I never, I didn't go through the motions. I felt like I just hit a shot to hit a shot. I just, that is not, the way to play golf and I'm going to be more dedicated to having purpose on every shot. You go there with the idea and then you see everything and the motions and the tensions. And then next thing you know, you're like just hoping to breathe right. And you're hoping to just hit it forward. So uh, I, I got away from that, that part that I wanted to be more uh, convicted. And so that I'll work on as well. Hey, you wore a microphone for us for a couple of days, and I mean, I thought, you know, I know that was that was super nice of you to do, and we got some great audio out of it. How I've always wondered how aware people are when they know they have a mic on and they're in those kind of instances, like like coaches are when they're mic'd up. How aware were you knowing the mic was on? Was there moments where you might have said something and went, oh, not, you know, kind of a minute later, go, oh, I forgot I had a microphone on. No, I, I truly, when I when I said three years ago this was going to happen, and I told Joe Buck and I told Fox, I said, listen, I'm more than willing, if you can get it approved, to wear a mic to give a perspective that people at home might never have uh, under these circumstances. So, and I knew, you know, come, coming with it was going to be um, an opportunity to be distracted at times or be uh, connected with the mic. I, I literally... I said everything I felt, and uh, I'm a kind of guy that uh, I'm not trying to be uh, broadcaster-y or uh, phony. I just really believe that people would get a kick out of thinking, what would it be like to literally play in this tournament and know the inside thoughts of somebody who, A, is not trying to do this for a living, but would give the casual person at home some kind of perspective of what this was What's going through your head? What was the highlight of the week for you? I think the highlight for me is just still the buzz that I had surrounding me getting there. The people were unbelievable. The tour and pros were unreal. The advice, the encouragement, the cheering. I've never felt anything like that. You don't get connected to the noise in a game. You're on the mound. If you hear the noise, you're going to have a bad game. If you hear just a dull roar, that means you're locked in. 
I, I genuinely, after every hole, someone was encouraging me, you got this, you can do this. You know, there was a sense that they knew, okay, what's he going to shoot? Could he possibly make the cut? None of those things were reality for me. Um, as much as I wanted to think that I had a competitive advantage, a competitive opportunity to make the cut, that was, that was pie in the sky. But just that general feeling of the crowds following me, the people wanting to see me hit shots and really wanting to see me do well. That was really, really cool. want to take a quick break here to just remind you that if you're looking to play where the professional golfers play, the PGA Tour players, the big wigs, we've got you covered. After the tour finishes up this week, you can book a tee time at the Old White TPC and thousands of other great golf courses around the country on teeoff.com by the PGA Tour, the official tee time reservation site of the PGA Tour. And you can do so with no booking fees. That's right, no booking fees, not a single booking fee. Every course, every tee time, plus as a valued listener of the Clubhouse podcast with Shane Bacon, you'll get to save an additional 25% on deal times with a single-use promo code TEEOFFBACON. Tee off bacon, 25% off. Do that at teeoff.com. All right, back to John Smoltz. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised. I mean, there was a couple days where I was out on the driving range, you were hitting balls. There was like a hundred people watching you hit range balls. I mean, it must have been it has to be kind of humbling in a sense. It's gotta feel almost a little uncomfortable in a way when you're you're out there grinding. I saw you kind of tinkered a little bit with your three-wood on Friday, and you've got all these fans. You know, watching you warm up, it's, it's definitely something I'm sure you've never experienced before. No, and, and you know, for me, like when I used to do sectionals and qualifiers, uh, especially all in, in Georgia, I know 100% of the time they're going to report my score, whereas other 100 people are not going to have their scores probably put in the paper uh, or be written about. So I know that there's an attention given to me when I do these kind of things and that you're having a more uh, opportunity to look bad and fail, but I don't really look at it that way. I look at it as an opportunity to just, um, you know, do something that I've always wanted to do. So with, with, with this uh, shooting 85 comes right away, the feeling like, Oh, he must be embarrassed. He must be crushed. People who know me must not want to call me or text me. I, I I texted people the next day. I was talking on our network at MLB Central in the morning, saying, "No, man, I'm I'm fired up to shoot a better round. You know, this is not the end of the world." And these are the kind of things that I think if I've given anybody hope or or feeling like you should never be afraid to fail, because without failing, you'll never understand how great or how good or how much work you need to do to get better and. I never look at an opportunity or not jump into an opportunity with the idea that what if, what if I do this, if that's the case, then you just can play it safe your whole life. And, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people like to do. They don't want to be exposed. So they say they could have done something. They just, you know, play the card. Like I could have done that and never engaged in it. So I never looked at it that way and uh, certainly never thought I'd shoot 85, but that's the reality of golf. That's what's so great about it. You never, you never know until you go through it. And I can promise you, if I get a chance to step on the first tee, I'll, I'll be nervous again, but it won't be filled with 12 holes of nerves. Right. It might be two. It might be three shots because then I'll realize I've been through this before and how to make the necessary ju- uh, adjustments. Yeah, and, and you got a chance to play two rounds with Bob Ford. I don't know if you had a chance to hang out with Bob before 
knew much about him, but did you get a chance to chat with him during the rounds and, and kind of pick his brain? Because, you know, he's one of those guys that, that's just always been around golf. I mean, he's one of those guys you want to talk to for half an hour. Yeah, I've known Bob for a while. Uh, back in the Oakmont days and Seminoles, I've been there a bunch with a bunch of times of playing golf. He's the unbelievable uh, gentleman that you could tell has been well-versed and experienced in the game of golf. And just to watch him play golf on a course that was probably, you know, too long for him and navigate the course was true experience of a guy who knew how to play his game of golf. That's what I want to get to. I want to get to where I know my game. I know my strengths. I know my ball flight. I know the consistency. I have a go-to swing. I don't want to always be searching and, and, and rescue, you know, and try to have tinkering going on in the middle of a competition. So that, that's where I'm trying to get to. But, but I also understand, you know, my first job is with Fox and MLB network and, and that I have to a job to do. And if in, in, in between that, I can still kind of toil with this, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's a good segue because you took the game up during your time with the Braves. Uh, how much golf were you playing when, when you got the bug back in the 90s? How much golf were you playing in your off days and throughout the weeks? Yeah, so I didn't start playing until I was 20, 21 years old. So that would have been closer to A ball, you know, 1920. Um, I, I got the bug. I hated golf in the upbringing of my, my sports career. I didn't think it was something that was athletic. And when I started playing, I got just hook, line, and sinker and, and thought, wow, I can play this for a long time. So I played on the road just about every day I could. Uh, at home, I didn't play quite as much with the kids. But on the road, when no one was there and I didn't start a game, I was playing golf. And I set it up for everybody. I had my whole itinerary set up. Um, you name it, I did it, from rental cars to making contacts to creating early tee times to week out, you know, and, and making sure that all things were taken care of so that the rest of my career would be filled with a, a hobby and a joy that kept me fresh and allowed me to play 20, 21 years. Maddox and Glavin and I always talk about how much it's, it's lengthened our career. As a pitcher, once every five days you go crazy if you don't have anything else in between to do. So would you guys, I mean, would it always be you three? I mean, would, would the starting pitcher take the, take the day off and not play? I mean, how, how did that process go? Were there, were there kind of a regular group, if you will? Yeah, so we had a fivesome um, that when the guy pitched, we'd, we'd have a foursome most of the time. The other four pitchers would play. On a true off day, we'd get some of the position players and go out and play. That was the only time they could play. So, yeah, typically um, it was a pretty neat deal when the five of us all played golf at one point. Uh, from Charlie Liebrandt to Denny Nagel to Steve Avery to Kevin Millwood. And if you didn't play golf, we taught you because you were going to get out on the golf course. And it was, it was a fun, fun 10-year run the three of us had together. Of course, Glavin and I stayed together for 15 years, and then I was kind of like the lone survivor once those two guys left. Yeah, I mean, it, I can only imagine, just as I think about your life as a pitcher and traveling on the road, I mean, you're on the road for, what, six, seven, eight months, a year? you have to have played some of the best golf in the world. I mean, especially being a professional athlete, it, there's got to be probably not many professions that allow you to do this like a, like a starting pitcher would. No, exactly. And it, it, it gave us the opportunity. I think at one point in the course of our career, roughly anywhere between 70 and 75 of the top 100 courses we played in just the cities we went to go play baseball. 
And, you know, the list is pretty impressive. And, of course, it changes from year to year. But, you know, the, the opportunity to play in the East uh, in Philly and Chicago and New York and just the, the, the rich history of golf courses that are in those three cities is mind-boggling. And uh, to think that, you know, you got a chance to play most of the U.S. Open courses just based on the cities of baseball you went to was uh, pretty pretty unreal. Okay, what were the games like? What did you play? Did you guys have a standard game? Yeah, we would play. Um, we, we always made it fun, never too serious to where anybody would get mad. Um, but I would play basically Glavin and Maddox's best ball. And they would win, you know, 60, 65% of the time. But when I went, it won. It sure felt good because it felt like <laughs> I, I was winning, you know, uh, beating two guys. But we, we, we did have a lot of fun. And Poovers of Forsum, we'd have our games together. And the memories, the laughs, the time in the car, all those things that led up to us having conversations, not always about ba- baseball, but enough to, to keep us, um, you know, never dreamt that all three of us would be in the Hall of Fame, never dreamt that the journey we'd be on would be filled with a lot of great memories on the golf course. But now we get to do the Tahoe and Diamond Resort. And we all get together for the Hall of Fame and we'll play golf and you know, one of these years, I know I'm the ringleader that has to have make it happen because I have the hardest schedule, but we all said that we would go to Scotland and go play golf over there someday. It's kind of a reunion, so I'm looking forward to that. And, and just the journeys in golf of wherever it takes me. You know, I've been um, physically limited to do the things that I want to do, which has been frustrating, but I've been able to do it well enough to get to this point and at least say that I played in the senior U.S. Open. Uh, my shoulders are, are not good, but, but I've learned how to swing with it. And now I'm just trying to make the best of it and, and play as long as I possibly can uh, and, and avoid the inevitable uh, replacement shoulder that someday I'm sure I'm going to have to have. Well, you, my, my last question to you is, I mean, you were a guy that took up golf early in your career. And as you said, it was something that linked in your career and something you, could, you knew you'd be able to do for you know, decades well past when, when kind of your, your career in baseball ended. If a young athlete came up to you and asked for advice, would taking up golf be one of the first things you'd kind of say? Because it sure sounds like it, it really helped you both mentally and physically, physically throughout your career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think if, um, if, if you have an opportunity uh, to play a given sport, let's just say through college or even if you're lucky enough professionally, I think every athlete – is tinkering with that unknown in the golf world of a, you can play it longer than any sport you desire. And B, it just has this unique ability to be you and mother nature and nobody else. Most players other than tennis, you know, that, that play in a team sport rely on being a great teammate and your teammates. Well, in golf, you're not relying on anything. You rely on yourself and the selfness, the self-awareness of what your heart beats like and the pressures you put on yourself and the pressures that are around you. It's mother nature. It's a bad break here. It's, it's literally inches here and there from something great happening. So you have to deal with that. And it can be real, a microcosm of the world of what life brings you and deals you at times. So I love that part of it. I love the fact waking up every day, I'm getting ready to play here in 30 minutes that today might be my day. Today might be that one day where I shoot my own course record. And every day is an opportunity for that. And, uh, and you know what? It's my own little refuge, too. I've never seen too many people on a golf course come running out to me asking for my autograph or asking to be, you know, it's like 
it's like golf and fishing are your own little world that you get to just kind of melt away in. And there isn't a lot of outside people running in interference, um, you know, when you're doing either one of those. So that, I kind of love that part of it. Well, John, I appreciate you taking some time. It was uh, it was fun to watch. I could have bet. I was not. I'm not. I'm not a Vegas guy, but I saw you on the range on Friday, and I was like, man, this guy's gonna. There's no chance he's gonna shoot worse than he shot on Thursday. You were locked in. You were focused, and I could tell you were ready to go out there and prove it. So uh, it was a fun week to watch, and uh, and as and I was uh, appreciated you doing the mic and and giving people kind of a look in because I don't think a lot of people understand how tough uh, you know competitive golf in and championship golf is. Oh, I appreciate it, and you know what? I plan on being back, so uh, I'm going to get another go at it uh, one of these years. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! A big thanks to John for jumping on the line. I know he's got some stuff coming up with baseball and the All-Star game and all that stuff, so I appreciate him taking some time. I know it wasn't the week he wanted, but I think uh, it, was a, it was a respectful week. He improved all every nine, as I said during the interview. He had a great closing stretch of 36 on the back nine, which was the toughest of the nines there at the Broadmoor. So head held high. I know he's excited. I love that he was going to play golf today, too. That guy is a golfer, if there ever was one. And I just wanted to say that summer is here. It's hot. You're going to be traveling. You've got vacation coming up. So make sure you switch to an Ogio bag. Make the most out of your precious time off this summer and upgrade to Ogio. And special to the listeners of the clubhouse, you can celebrate back this summer with Ogio by saving 25% on all the travel bags on Ogio.com with the promo code CLUBHOUSE. Ogio has the world's best bag. Their backpacks are great. Their golf travel bags are great. Their their roller bags are amazing. I take it almost everywhere I go. The compartmentalizing part of the bags allows you to put stuff that's dirty in one part, stuff that's clean in another. And when you get home, it does feel very, very much like you were an organized human, even if you're not an organized human like myself. So check out everything at Ogio.com. Trust me, you'll be a big fan, and you'll save 25% off with that promo code CLUBHOUSE. Check out tiaf.com. We've got more to come over the next couple of weeks with some guests, and uh, we're just going to be ripping through the summer. I know we've got a lot on our plate at the USGA and the sense at Fox with USGA and the sense of the championships there. And then, of course, we've got major championships coming up on the PGA Tour. So we will continue to bring the clubhouse to your phones. Uh, make sure you get out and play a little golf. I'm going to play a morning round on July 4th, and I have a little bit of a tradition where I try to wear as much America stuff as possible. And uh, it's it's maybe and, and this is maybe obnoxious is the wrong word, but it's the most obnoxious outfit I wear all year in the sense of just going overboard. So I'll make sure to post that uh, on the old Instagrams if you uh, if you have a chance to check that out. And we will be back later this week or early next week with an exciting guest.